You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Crunch Time on a Tuesday. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Matt. Of course you are. You get to stare at me for the next two hours. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right. So yesterday when the show was closing, we told you that today was going to be a star-studded lineup of Cajuns content. So we had to make a slight change. However, we're still going to deliver a great Super Bowl interview for you this afternoon. Uh, we were supposed to have Brian Mitchell on today. Something came up in his schedule, so we pushed that to later in the week. He will join us here on Crunch Time on Friday. But today, I was able to get a, another Cajuns legend who also participated in a Super Bowl in the one and only Jake the Snake DeLome. He will join us at 5.30 to discuss his playing career and his time in Super Bowl 38 against who then was a fairly new quarterback in Tom Brady. And, you know, 18 years later, here, here we are as he's the GOAT. And so we'll talk about that and much more a little later on in today's show. But the top story that we're going to get to, James, Sean Payton was inducted or inducted, introduced as the Denver Broncos head coach yesterday. And he touched on a lot of different things in the 46-minute press conference. Uh, Coaching press conference, introductory press conference for coaches are always so long. And it's so annoying because if you listen to them in, in their entirety, they really only need to be about 20 minutes. Because what ends up happening after the first 20 minutes is reporters start asking the same questions. They just word it differently. And then after a little while, coach gets fed up because he picks up on the fact that you're answering the same questions over and over again. That's how every press conference goes for a new coach. Or it kind of feels like a lot of the questions, it's like, this isn't important. Right. Like, we have to talk about this right now? This is is just lanyap. Can we get to this later? And so the the best part was not even during the press conference. It was after, and and we brought it up yesterday on the show, uh, Sean Payton was asked about Russell Wilson's personal staff being in the facility in Denver. Take a listen to this. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a, a personal coach, Jay Keeves, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Right, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me. That That's not going to take place here. I mean, I, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here, our players will be here, and that'll be it. So basically, Sean, Sean basically just said, look, Russell can have whoever he wants in his corner. They're just not going to be here. 
He's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but that ain't happening. Not, 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 not on my that watch. Is, that is not flying. Dude employed by the Denver Broncos having an office at the Denver Broncos facility? Nah, that's not going to happen. Which kind of goes to show you just how in disarray not only Nathaniel Hackett was running things, mm-hmm. but the previous ownership group of the Denver Broncos. Because, sure, Nathaniel Hackett might allow that to happen, but if I'm the owners, I'm stepping in going, whoa, what, what is this? A guy that I didn't employ, why the hell does he have an office? No, absolutely not. So that's just wild to me. You, you never see that. Which is why Sean was confused as well, because that just isn't a thing. So, you know, getting to the actual press conference part, uh, Sean Payton was asked what he was looking for in his very elongated search to getting a new head coaching job. On one of the Fox broadcasts, I, I said it pretty clearly, ownership was important to me. Um, I had been exposed to a great ownership group in New Orleans, and I think it's appropriate for me to thank Mrs. Benson. Uh, obviously, her late husband, Tom Benson, was the owner when I first arrived there. Um, and then the general manager, Mickey Loomis. So what I knew for 16 years was functional. Um, wasn't easy, but it was functional, and it was supportive, and it was respectful, and it was teamwork at its best. And that was Mickey Loomis, who I didn't know at the time, um, who later became a very close friend, and then Mr. Benson and Mrs. Benson. That triangle to me was most important in this process. Um, and, and obviously, the, the players, um, the city, all of those things factor in. I think the second most important thing to me was the passion. Uh, is football important here? And, and it obviously is, right? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a city that's, that's had great success, three championships, and a number of Super Bowl appearance, appearances. That Walmart money sure helped too, didn't it? I mean, you, you had to look at, at Denver and go, Hmm. They are owned by a Walton now. So that that Walmart money's coming in. They might be able to pay me more than anybody else can. You think you think Sean asked for 20 from Denver? I mean obviously they didn't give him 20. I'd I'd love to see what his actual salary is. I don't think the the details of his contract have been released yet other than the fact that it's a 5-year deal. Uh but you know, and those those are both great points. Ownership has to be important because those are the people that you're going to work with the closest, other than the players. According to NBC Sports, Peyton's contract will be five years, and here comes quotation marks in the neighborhood of eighteen million dollars per season. Jesus. So we're, so, pro- we're looking at about like seventeen two, seventeen three, maybe eighteen one. Who knows? That is, in, in, in the neighborhood. That is absurd. That is the second highest paid coach in the NFL. Walmart coming to save the day. Behind Bill Belichick, Bow. who makes 20. That's that's wild. But yeah, no, going back to it, ownership has to be important because, again, other than the players that you're coaching, the general manager and the owner are who a head coach worked with the most. So that is clearly important to have a good relationship with them. And then next, like he said, the, the passion in the city. Who wants to go coach at a fan base who doesn't care about football? That's not any fun. I mean, right? 
Is that a shout out to the Rams? I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Is that like like is that just is it, like a low key shot it, at Los in, Angeles Rams? Is it, is it incorrect though? Chargers fans. Is it incorrect though? It's definitely not. Even even their baseball teams. Other than the Dodgers, who get who who gives a crap? Nobody cares about the Angels. They've got two MVP players, and nobody cares if about you, them. If you ain't winning right away and instantly, man, they don't worry about you. L- they just on to the next team. LA's a basketball city. It's a basketball city. They love their Lakers. And the only reason that the Dodgers are relevant is because they're good. If the Dodgers dip, I mean, nobody's going to care. So, yeah, I mean, sure, call it a jab at LA if you want, but it's kind of the truth. But anyways, getting getting back to Sean Payton, one thing that drove him to Denver was the conversation that he had with Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. And here's Sean Payton elaborating on that conversation. When he called right away, I thought, man, I'm the last person that needs to get in trouble with the league. So I just, I, I, we chatted. I coached Russell in the Pro Bowl. And so it's a very small community where you get to know these guys. And he lives... He lives real close to Drew and Del Mar, and Drew had been, Drew's like, man, Russell is wearing me out. And I said, Drew, we're going to give you a little spot in the program. We'll call you senior assistant of Del Mar. You know, that's where Drew lives. Um, but, yeah, we spoke briefly, and, and Latavius Murray is one of my former players, and he's played with a number of teams. He's a super guy. You guys have had a chance to cover him. He's just, uh, you know, one of those guys you like being around, and, and we had a great experience with in New Orleans. And I had gotten a text right at the end of the season. He's like, man, we've got to find a way to get you here, me and my backfield teammates. So I didn't, when I heard that, I thought of running back. So then I thought, who else is in his backfield? And I'm like, who's your backfield teammate? And then he, he sent, like, the number three. And I said, it was Christmas time. And I said, well, be careful what you're asking Santa for. That was my response. So that, that we kind of go from there. I can't be mad at the guy. That's great. It's fantastic. Well, if I was like, by the way, Drew lives in Del Mar. Yeah, in, in case you wanted to go visit, he lives in Del Mar, California. So there, there you go. Here's, with, a, here's his address. Do with that. Which <laughs> here's his phone number. You know, here's his door code. Just like, just let yourself in. He would love to see you. I like that. He shouted out my best friend. What Latavius Murray? Yeah. Latavius Murray's your best friend. Yeah. Is he? I remember. So wait, do you remember my story? Yes, I do. But here's here's the question. Okay. Does Latavius Murray know that Latavius Murray is your best friend? Because that's kind of important. Just just gonna throw that out. That's a little important. I would he, hope so. He he <laughs> might want to know that he's your best friend. Yeah. And, and in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, in 2019 we were doing like the flag unfurl, so we were waving the flags when they were doing the player intros and stuff. And we were waiting in line for the door to open, and all of a sudden, I just see a 6'3 dude walking to my left, and I'm like, hey, yo. I was telling my friends, I was like, is that Latavius? They're like, I think so. I'm like, yo, Latavius. He turns around, I was like, what's up? And he like kind of waves at me or whatever, acknowledges me. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're best friends. Latavius marries your best and then, friend. And then he went on to score the first touchdown in that game. It was like a 30-yard touchdown. And, and, and you willed that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. I gave him the motivation. It's because you told him what's mm-hmm. up. I told him. I was like, you score, you score, dude. Get that pay dirt. Oh, this Get guy. in there. This guy. 
and so we're we've been best friends so ever he, since. So here's what I need you to toll do. Of, toll of zero texts have been exchanged. Here, here's what I need you to do. I need you to text him. Uh-huh. Be like, hey, Latavius, it, it's me, James Mesh. You remember me from that one game? And and you're gonna get this notification. Latavius Murray has blocked your number. <laughs> he is going to block your number, and you will never hear from that man again. God, James Mesh is a stalker. <laughs> Poll question of the day. Do the Pelicans need to make a trade at Thursday's deadline? Yes, you need outside shooting. Maybe, if only it's if it's the right fit. Or no, Zion will be the addition. So far, 33% say yes. 52% say maybe. And then 14% say no. Look, if Toronto calls you, and they say, make me a deal for OG Ananobi. I'm doing it. As long as they're not asking for everybody in a first. I mean, if they want, you know, two picks, Jackson Hayes. And Devontae. Just and, always, and Devontae. Always find a way yeah, to see if you can absolutely. throw Devontae and Jackson in there. Devontae, Jackson, a first and a second. Bro, I'm in there like swimwear. That's easy. I will make that deal all day long and twice on a Sunday. OG Ananobi immensely helps this team. But if you're David Griffin and you're Willie Green and you feel like this team is set up for long-term success... You would have to give up a young guy too, though. And Jackson's still young, but... I was about to say, Jackson Hayes wouldn't be your young guy? I think if I'm giving up OG, I'd want two young guys. So who? I mean, if Kyra. You could, I was gonna say if you could throw in Najee. No, 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 no. I'm. But that's what nope. I'm saying. I, I think if if you had to do that, because nope. that that's that's the thing is we had seen reports earlier six or seven teams are interested. So give, it's I'll like if, you. if you're gonna be in a bidding war and you really want OG that bad, you're gonna have to throw in a little more than. I'll An older you, player and a young guy that gets, like, no minutes. But here's the thing. He only gets no minutes because he doesn't fit in. Correct. I'll give you Kyra, Jackson, Devontae, and a first. It's a good deal. You get a vet. Mm-hmm. You get a young center. Mm-hmm. You get a young guard and a first-round pick. It's a good deal. I just think they would rather see... They'd rather Najee because they've actually seen what Najee can do. And I'm not. I'm not giving. If, if that if, <laughs> that, if they want Najee, then I don't want to do the deal. Nope. At, Absol- least, uh-uh. at least, at least, I'm not saying Trey Murphy. Fair, fair. And, and at least I'm not saying Herb. Fair, but I. St- oh, I don't know. Uh, if you wanted or, Najee, or Jose, at least I'm not saying Jose. Either. If you wanted Najee, it would have to be OG and a second. You'd have to throw me a pick, or cash, if it's not if it's for Najee. It would have to there would have to be a little something in there, like the Saints had to do where they threw in a third to get the Sean Payton deal done. It would have to be something similar to that. Just throw in a little something to make me go, okay, you got a deal. That's what I would need. But we'll take a timeout when we return. Yesterday, it was the Gary and Jerry show at the Louisiana Athletics Facility as Gary Broadhead and Jerry Glasgow met with the media, and you'll hear both of them next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries. Hit the links at Farm Dialy Golf Course while supporting a great cause with all proceeds of the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drinks, and a great day with the staff at the game. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com and together we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So I just got a trade idea for the Pelicans. I disagree with it, but it's a good take. So... Says it's not gonna happen, but I would trade Zion, get two or three players who are gonna play now and be healthy, get a scorer and some role players to make this team better. They know that they can win without him. It's like having a Corvette sitting in the garage, but you can't drive it because the motor is gone. Sell it now before it loses its value. It's not a bad take. I disagree with it. You just don't want to lose Zion. Well, it's not only that. He's still a number one overall pick. He is. And, yes, he's had a couple health problems. And the problem is that the couple health problems that he has have been very significant. Long term. It's still early. It's still early. And the, the biggest thing that stands out to me and the way that it was worded to me by a friend of mine is, Zion's a unicorn. He comes along once in a lifetime. You can't just let that player go. I remember I remember another time someone was deemed a unicorn and they haven't panned out since. And who was that? Chris Stapps Porzingis. I don't know why anybody would have labeled that guy a unicorn. Because he was 7'3". And- I mean, he's good. He's had a nice career. Hobbled with injuries. But... Oh, <laughs> when he when he when he plays, he has a he's I th- good. I think you're starting to see the similarities. <laughs> not quite the same. Seven three is much more susceptible to getting hurt than six nine. I I think it's just going to take Zion, kind of changing his game a little bit, slightly. I I think he's a little too aggressive. Too. Rough around the rough around the rim. Uh, I think he just needs to be a little softer, play with a little more finesse, and in, in turn, he's going to protect his body and be healthier long term. Also, him losing weight this year has helped a lot because has he been out for a while with this hamstring issue? Yes, but it's not a major injury. It's a pulled hamstring that the Pelicans are being very cautious with. That's fine. It's not a stress fracture or a broken bone or anything like that, like it's been. Um, so I'm, I'm not ready to sell Zion just yet. I get that his trade value is high right now, and the longer you wait, the lower it's going to get. But, again, it's, it's still it's still a little too early for me to, to make that move. If you're 
the New Orleans Pelicans. But going to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns now, yesterday, Gary Broadhead and Jerry Glasgow met with the media, and we'll start with women's basketball. We talked yesterday about the call at the end of overtime where a Cajuns player was fouled on the opposite end of the floor from the ball. Should have been an intentional foul. Ref didn't call it that way. Cajuns end up having their worst free throw shooter going to the line. She misses both of them. Troy goes down the court, hits the game-winning jumper, and they win the game. Uh, You can't foul away from the ball. It's just like soccer. It's a red card if you go to make a slide tackle and there's no intent of going for the ball. If there's no intent for going for the basketball, it's an intentional foul, which results in coach picking who he wants to shoot the free throws and possession. That did not happen. So Gary Broadhead talked about the explanation he was given at the end of overtime. Well, we talked to the assignment secretary, and uh, we were right. We were, that was a, it was an intentional foul, and so they should have gone to the monitor and look at it. And then it, because it's away from the ball, it's an automatic we get to choose who's going to shoot, and we get the ball back. With 11 seconds left, I, I liked our chances. And we didn't really didn't have, and that's what I was arguing. I didn't, I didn't have a timeout to be able to challenge it. But my argument was that's why we have, you know, you go to you go to the monitor. We have the monitors under a minute. You can go check that and see what. And they were just pretty adamant. The referee was pretty adamant about it wasn't a foul. It wasn't a, it was a foul, but it wasn't an intentional foul. And I mean, it's so obvious. It. I mean, it. It really was. I mean, the the ball was on the left wing. And so picture the, the left wing by the Cajuns bench and the player that got fouled was literally standing two feet away from Gary Broadhead on the other end of the floor. Like there was 30 feet between the ball and the foul. That's, that's an obvious intentional. Uh, so, you know, the refs definitely missed one there. It ended up costing the Cajuns. But again... You play better down the stretch. Things go differently. You make one of those free throws. You know, a lot of things could have changed the outcome of that game. But, you know, you you look at that call where if you would have gotten that right, things could have been a lot different for Louisiana. But, you know, in hindsight of that, Gary Broadhead talked with the media yesterday about how this group is resilient and they will continue working. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe 20 years ago it would be easy, but with social media, I mean, I thought we were all promoting that. <laughs> promoting people to being on there and doing things wrong or right or, I mean, I, my kids, man, they, they live in that social media world, you know. I mean, they're going to see it. They're going to, I mean, it's going to come out and, you know, it's just, I, I just, you know, I, I'm just proud of them after the locker room and all that. You know, they didn't really know when we went in the locker room, they didn't really know exactly the rules like we did. And, uh, you know, just kind of stick together. They're going to continue to work. I mean, they're, they're, they're very, very resilient. And they know that they can play with anybody in the league. So, they, you know, it's the, and it's still about winning the tournament. So uh, it's just tough for me to see that, you know, those kids. I see it every day. You know, y'all don't get to see what I see every day and how hard they work and how important it is uh, to win a, a, league, a league game, man. It's just, I mean, they, that's what they play for. Uh, so, yes, it's a little disappointing, but we'll move on and, and hopefully we can uh, make a run in the tournament. Flipping over to softball now, Jerry Glasgow spoke with the media yesterday 
and in preparation of the 37th annual Louisiana Classics Tournament this weekend. And when he was asked about his lineup and if he was looking for the nine best players on the field, he said, no, I'm looking for the nine toughest. Been a pretty tough training camp and uh, been a really good training camp. Uh, on January 9th, I met with the team. I told them I'm not looking for the nine best ball players. I'm looking for the nine toughest players that can get out there and compete at the highest level for the Raging Cajuns and, and the Raging Cajun program. And the inner squad uh, competition has been intense, to say the least. And I think it's definitely, you know, it's, it's really stood out, the players that have grown and, and are ready to step on the field and represent our program. He also elaborated on that a little bit further and said in addition to looking for the nine toughest players, he's also looking for warriors that will help him manufacture wins. Yeah, I I just think that what we need to get over this next hump is, you know, you go back in history and you look like it, you guys don't remember, but the 1980, 81, 82 Oakland A's, you know, they win the World Series every year and their team batting average 249, you know. that's what I'm looking for. Like guys, I just want I want warriors that know how to go out on that field and some way manufacture a win, and not go out on the field expecting a win to come to them. Expect to go out and manufacture the win. And so when you think of players like that, like Maddie Hayden, that's what she is. She's a warrior on the ball field. If you watch the regional last year, she's out there playing. She doesn't feel good. She's got you know she she just was under the weather with her. Um, you know, whatever she had, she didn't have energy. But she, when the game started, she played with everything she had, a warrior for our program. And um, that's what I'm looking for, you know, those type of kids that's going to give us 100% effort no matter whether we're six runs behind or we're six runs ahead. I wanted to look the exact same. I wanted to play the same way. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner. We'll talk about Louisiana softball in the Louisiana Classic this weekend. We will also talk about the huge matchup in Hattiesburg Thursday night between Bob Marlin's crew and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The only app you need at your Super Bowl party this year is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Download FanDuel now and use promo code KLWB to bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads and who will even score a touchdown. For me, I'm going to take an A.J. Brown anytime touchdown because there's no way he's going to go through the entirety of the playoffs and not reach pay dirt. All on a top-rated sportsbook app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today with promo code KLWB to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more official with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com slash sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time 437 here on your Tuesday. We've already talked to Sean Payton. We heard from Jerry Glasgow and Gary Broadhead. Jay Walker joins us now on the game hotline for Cajuns Corner. Jay, thanks for taking the time, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. You know what? I'm 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 getting smarter as I get older because I had three interviews set up today and I said, you know, I better go ahead and set an alarm to remind me when each one is coming on. And let me tell you something. When when my alarm went off at about 4.20, I just finished getting a haircut, and I said, why is my alarm on? And then I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now I know. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate you remembering because, man, that, that, I, I, that, I, I, it would have derailed my entire show to not have Jay Walker on. Well, and you know what? It would have, uh, it would have made me, uh, as they say in Bill Platt, haunt. I'm not sure what that means, Jay. Well, I'll tell you, and and as I learned a long time ago, it's actually spelled H-A-N-T-E. It's pronounced haunt, and it means embarrassed. Oh, well, I mean, you would have been embarrassed, and that would that would have been your problem. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have been haunt. So, Jay, you know, let's go back to the weekend and, you know, that raucous environment in the Cajun Dome. First of all, it's been a long time since I got to say those that phrase. Yeah, it was good. Um, and it was good to see. I was, uh, you know, crowd was into it. They're very receptive. I, I was glad that a lot of them were in their seats by the time they recognized the seniors because those kids really deserved the ovation that they got. And then, uh, then the basketball game started, and I got to tell you, it was not what I was expecting. I was not expecting the Cajuns to deliver a haymaker like they did, and and go tip to buzzer with never never trailing or having the score tied except at the opening tip. That was very impressive. Yeah, and you know the the Cajuns jumped out to that big lead, and for most of the game, the the lead was ten twelve points, and you know that was that was a little unexpected. I was expecting a much closer matchup down the stretch between these two teams, but what a massive win for Bob Marlin and his team. Jordan Brown, a, a twenty twenty night. You, I mean, what what more can you say about what he's done? No, it was great. He was named Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week today. He probably should have won it two other times this year. He's won it three times. He probably should have won it five times. Um, and I, I saw somebody whining on social media that a kid from South Alabama didn't win it. And I'm just saying, dude, 25 and 20. You got any questions? Um, no, he had, he had a, a tremendous performance Got to do it on senior night with his mom and dad there, and and yeah, uh, it was uh, it was it was good. He's pretty tired after the game, but he uh, he gave an incredible effort. Is he is he the front runner right now for some belt player of the year? Oh, I don't know uh, because I think uh, you know Tavion Kinsey from Marshall has won the award as many times as Jordan has. I think what gives Jordan an, an advantage is his team is in first place. Uh, and I think that's going to help him in the voting if the Cajuns are at the top of the standings. But he's but he's not a lock to win it. Not no, not not a lock. 
Now looking looking at Thursday night, obviously the the battle for first place in the Sun Belt between Southern Miss and Louisiana. Southern Miss has been promoting, you know, how big of a matchup this is going to be for them. They're having a whiteout in Reed Green Coliseum. Supposedly, you know, twelve to thirteen thousand people expected to to be there Thursday night. What that that's going to be an insane environment and one that this team hasn't faced yet this year. Well, if they're going to have twelve or thirteen thousand people, five or six thousand of them are going to be outside because the place holds about eight. Um, and you know, I've heard conflicting. You know, I, I've seen this stuff on so. Oh, the game's almost sold out. And then I've heard some other people say, no, they're they're just kind of they're they're just kind of building that thing up. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, if they have a capacity crowd, good for them. Um, it's going to be a good environment there, too. That's an old coliseum. The acoustics are terrible. It gets really, really loud in there. Um, I uh, Look, I, I think it's great. You know, next to Texas, this will be the, the toughest environment the Cajuns have played in this year. And, you know, bring it. Um, you know, the, the Cajuns are going to be underdogs in this game. It'll be the first time in conference play they've been an underdog. Um, Southern Miss is a very good club. And, you know, let, let's hook it up. Let's tip it off, and, and let's see what happens. You know, looking at looking at Reed Green Coliseum, it does only seat 8,100, so I guess the numbers that I got were fudged. But, you know, e- even so, you know, you look at the matchup. They played each other two or three weeks ago here in the Cajun Dome, Louisiana winning that one 75-61. What, what do you think this team can take away from that matchup with this coming matchup on Thursday night? Well, they have to go out and guard like they did last time. You know, I I thought the game plan that they had against Southern Miss was really tremendous in the first meeting because before the game, you know, they go over goals that they have for each game. You know, X number of turnovers, uh, you know, X number of this, X number of that. And one was hold Hase and Crowley, their two best scorers, to 24 or less. They scored 23, and because of that, the Cajuns were able to get an early double-digit lead. And once again, kind of like the kind of like the Marshall game, you know, I think Southern Miss got it to seven at one time in the second half. You know, those two guys are very, very good scorers, and they're gonna they're gonna have to defend like that. And it's much harder to do when you're on the road. Um, but that's got to be part of the game plan because both of those guys can score uh, points in bunches. Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's Corner. Gary Broadhead's group in a five-way tie for second place as they head down the back stretch. You know, tough road trip this week with James Madison and South Alabama. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on, on the rest of the schedule for the women's basketball team? Well, they have uh, four losses in conference play, five losses in conference play. They've got two in overtime. They got a one-point loss against um, uh, Southern Miss. I mean, look, they're right there in every game. And first place may be tough now with six to play, and you're two games behind Troy, and you you lose the tiebreaker. So the goal now is to get into the top four at the end of the at the end of the season, so you can get a double bye. Um, the game at James Madison is not going to be easy for a good part of the year. James Madison has led the league. They've stumbled a little bit lately. But then, if you look at what the Cajuns have coming up, in the five games after that, 
They're at South Alabama, who's in last place in the league. They're at ULM, who's in 12th place in the league. Arkansas State, who's in 13th place in the league. Then you've got a rematch with Southern Miss, a team that you lost to by one on the road, and a game against a good Texas State team that you handled well in San Marcos. So if, if you stay focused and you get Lene Wheaton back, they've got an excellent chance to get into the top four, and I think they're going to be a lock to get into the top four if they win on Thursday. Lastly, uh, Dwayne Winfield was announced today as the Warwick Dunn Award winner for the Sportsline Player of the Year. You know, what? give me your thoughts on Winfield. You know, he's coming into the Cajuns football program starting this summer. Give, give me your thoughts on the new quarterback that Michael Desermo is getting. Yeah, 70 touchdowns that he was responsible for uh, this year. No, he's put up some sick numbers. Um and, you know, I, I, I will say this. If it weren't for Arch Manning, this kid would have been the most hyped quarterback in Louisiana during the recruiting period. They got themselves a really good one. I don't know when, uh, when he's going to be ready, but at some point in time, he's going to be saying hike for this football team. Jay Walker joining us for Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time. Jay, appreciate you as always. Be safe on the road this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, if I can give a little quick plug, uh, Cajuns Diamond Club meets tonight at six o'clock at the, uh, at the stadium club. If you haven't joined yet, you got a chance to join over there this evening. You can join for as little as $50. Of course, everything goes to the baseball program and, uh, that's a good reason to be out there. Go Cajuns. And there he goes, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Mr. Jay Walker. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab, and you'll be on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app. Win money. It's just that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Poll question of the day. Do the Pelicans need to make a trade at the deadline? Yes, they need outside shooting, maybe, but only the right fit, or no, Zion is going to be the addition. So far, 52% of the votes go to maybe, 33% goes to yes, they need the outside shooting, and then the other 14% goes to Zion. He's going to be the addition, so you don't have to worry about it. Go vote on the poll question if you haven't yet, and throw us a comment. Why not? Looking at some other news, Tom Brady. He announced on Colin Coward's he's show. A, he's a thirst trapper. Oh, okay. Tom Brady announced on Colin Coward's show that he's going to join Fox to be an analyst in 2024. He had previously signed that 10-year deal worth $375 million. Matt, does that mean he comes back for another year and, and, and makes a third retirement? Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. We're, 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 not, we're not doing this. We are not doing this. He is not Brett Favre. 
Now, I know what people are thinking. He left 2023 open. Oh, man, you know, he's coming back, blah, blah, blah. No. No. He, no. He, he had, what he had said was, I'm retiring from football for good. When he was on that, when he was on that sandy beach, which someone is still selling that sand. But to me, I'm thinking he's taking the year off to kind of just, he just reset, as well as prepare himself to become the best lead analyst that he can dude, be. The dude just wants a year off. He wants to travel. He wants to be with his kids. Like, let the man. He he wants to find him a little side piece. Avoid like, just avoid Giselle as much as possible. Just let him do it. Like he, that's to, that's what he's going to do for the first few months over the summer. He's going to do that, but while the season's going along, I'm I presume he is going to kind of train himself and yep. like prepare himself because he's not going to be just a regular NFL analyst for Fox. He's going to be as described as a lead NFL analyst. So kind of having that year and using that 2023 season as kind of like a training regimen for him. I think is what is ultimately going to happen. But before that, relax a little bit, kind of do some other stuff. Not knock it out. Probably do more with his clothing line, which he tried to do yesterday. Um, If if you don't know what we're talking about, it's all over social media. Meet Um, meet his quota on seeing his kids. Correct. He's going to see his kids. He's probably going to do some more stuff with the TB12 method. Maybe write another cookbook or, you know, whatever. What What kind of ice cream can we make? Right. Um, you know, things like that. Things away from football. He's going to promote the new movie 80 for Brady, which by the way looks hilarious. I do kind of want to go check that out. Um, but no, I mean, you you look at you look at Tom Brady, he he, he doesn't want to come back to football. He loved the game, he loved what it gave him. He's obviously still going to be involved with the game working as an analyst, but in terms of putting pads on and getting clobbered by the Aaron Donalds and Joey Bosa's of the world? Nah. He's, he's not into that anymore. He's 46 years old. It's, it's time for Tom to move on. And uh, I think he's doing it at the right time. But before we take the time out to end our number one, some big news was announced today in the city of Lafayette. The USA Boxing Olympic Team Trials will be held at the Cajun Dome later this year, December 1st through the 9th at the Cajun Dome and Convention Center. This will be to determine USA Boxing's junior and youth high-performance teams in the 2024 Winter Olympics, and the event will determine the 13 boxers who will help to go on to the next phase of the selection process, which will finalize who represents Team USA during the Olympic qualifying events in 2024 at the 2024 Paris Olympics. So, Great opportunity for the city of Lafayette, not only in the world of sports, but economically. This is going to be a great event um, and obviously really cool to be able to host a Olympic trial in your in your city. So very cool news earlier today for the city of Lafayette. Looking at a couple other top stories, Steve Wilkes has a new job. He'll be the defensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Also, we we ragged on Live Golf earlier this year, James, because, you know, obviously competition's never a bad thing. I just, I wasn't a big fan of the way Live was doing things early on. It was announced earlier today that according to their lawyers, the 2022 revenue for the new golf startup 
Virtually zero. Their revenue, they didn't make any money. They're they're paying out all these, you know, big purses and only 54 whole tournaments and blah, 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 but yet you didn't make any money. Now, it's the first year. Obviously, you know, it, it might take some time, but what happens if they don't make money in year two? Or they don't make money in year three? You see you see where I'm going with this? Great idea in theory, but it's not executing very well. Shocker. That happens quite often, actually, in the world of sports. Um, the XFL tried about three times. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this one works out with The Rock. But the AAF had to borrow money. Oh, God. <laughs> they, <laughs> that they still haven't paid back. So that's great. Um, and, and also, we'll, we'll start hour number two with this story, but I'm just going to leave you in suspense for five minutes. I've also got some news for you as well Ooh, that um, we can get to hour number two. Juicy. Aaron Rodgers is going to go on a darkness retreat to decide his future. That just sounds so Aaron Rodgers. That's it's such a <laughs> he's such a weird cat. He's such a weird dude. First off, beginning of this season, he he was taking some weird chemicals that I know nothing about. Um and you know he's all into the the zen and meditation and and now a darkness retreat. I, Aaron Rodgers, you keep being you, bud. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. James has some news for me that we're gonna get to right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talk Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. We talk some New Orleans Saints and a whole lot more. Here in hour number two, we're going to bring you a Super Bowl spotlight with Cajuns legend Jake DeLome. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and their matchup with the Atlanta Hawks tonight and some more of the top stories in the world of sports, including former Karen Crow and McNeese head coach Lance Gidry, who last month took the defensive coordinator job at Tulane. It was announced earlier today by Pete Thamel that he is expected to become the next defensive coordinator at Miami. Now, you, you look at this and you go, man, well, he's leaving less than a month after he took the job at Tulane. Not all is bad for Tulane, however, because James, since Lance Guidry had already signed his contract with Tulane, Miami now owes Tulane $500,000 to take Lance Guidry. So, you lose the coach, but you get a nice check. So, all's well that ends well, I guess? There's a little bit of a silver lining. Right, right. I it's mean, not they're, the worst they're, they're, thing. There's stuff in the pocketbook. What you get in college athletics, $500,000, not not a whole lot. But at the end of hour number one, you, you said that you had some news for me. 
before you get to it, I have to ask, is it good news or is it bad news? Depends on how you look at it. Okay. I don't like that. But. So we were talking about Pels, mm-hmm. talking about Zion. Mm-hmm. It's been reported that it's unlikely that Zion Williamson, oh, no. because of his hamstring, will return oh, no. before the All-Star break. I actually don't hate that. I don't hate that. Because here's here's the thing. Does it hurt? Yes, because I'm very ready to see Zion Williamson back. Life is pain! Yeah, actually, kind of. Um, you know, my, my Zion Williamson jersey is just begging to be worn, James. And, you know, I, I try to show this guy love, but he's never on the floor. Why do you hate me when I show you nothing but love? <laughs> there it is. So, but here's the thing. Why would you try to rush him back when you look at the grand scheme of things and you look at the Pelicans' schedule? So the All-Star game is February the 19th. Today is February the 7th. So between now and the All-Star game, there's 12 days. Pelicans are going to play four games in that span. Their first game after the All-Star break is February the 23rd. So from today till their first game after the break... That's 16 days longer that Zion can rest up. I now I, I get Jake Madison brought up a good point yesterday about you know how good it is for the franchise to have a player playing in the All-Star game. I get it, especially when he was named a starter for the All-Star game. Like I get the notoriety that that brings to a franchise. But at this point, is it worth it? Or would you rather have Zion healthy for the last month and a half of the season to make the playoff push. Big picture, I want Zion healthy on February 23rd after the All-Star break. So if that means not rushing him for him to play in the All-Star game, game that doesn't matter, and not rushing him back into those four games, I think that makes sense. It just it, it just it just does. James, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. With there being so few games left, and I mean, especially with tonight, you're now ninth in the West, and you're on a two-game winning streak. To me, if you can get into a little bit of a groove, it'll work. I don't think you necessarily need Zion because, especially with tonight, you're playing a 27 and 27 Atlanta Hawks team. Rich, they got some nice pieces, but I mean, so do you. I feel like you should still have a good chance, and you shouldn't necessarily need Zion. And you see, here's the crazy thing: you look at the Western Conference; they're ninth. They're nine and a half games out of first place. But they're only two games out of being a top four seed. Correct. That's how jam-packed the West is right now. The East is not as jam-packed. Between 11th and 6th is four and a half games. So it's still kind of tight in the middle section of the East, but not nearly as tight as it is in the West. Because here's the thing. Pelicans win tonight. Say Sacramento and L.A. lose. You're right back in it. You're right back in the thick of things. You're eight and a half games out at that point. Compared to you would only be one and a half out of being in fourth place. And, look, and, and, and let's look at those last four, these next four games. 
You're at home versus Atlanta tonight. Uh-huh. You'll then take a few days off, and you'll be hosting Cleveland. the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. who are really good at home, but haven't been as spectacular on the road. Twelve and sixteen on the road. So you feel like you got a solid shot at that one. Yep. Because you even you even kept it pretty close the whole way through until like the fourth quarter when you were at Cleveland just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and on MLK Day, yeah. You was- then travel to go play OKC, who is. 13th in the West? 12th? They're 12th. Who is, who is trash. And then you go at Los Angeles to play the Lakers. So Trash. If you are the Pelicans, you feel like you should be able to win at least two or three you games. Should, you should go three and one in this final You game. feel like you should be able to go three and one because it's like if, if you lose to Cleveland, okay, well then you should feel like you should beat OKC. In Los Angeles, or if you lose to Los Angeles at the end, you feel like you should be able to go on a three-game win streak ahead of time. There should be, there's probably going to be at least one Higa game, but you would hope you get you you finish this all three. And so one. in this conversation, my expectation for the Pelicans is that they will enter the All Star break thirty-one in a top, top six seat, thirty-one and twenty-eight. Yeah, uh, a top six seat. Yeah, because you're only a game out of sixth place, so. If you can't make up that game in the next four, I mean, what are you doing? And and you would hope the Warriors and Wolves slip up, and Suns slip up within that time. Yep, absolutely. Or the Mavs. Just so, any combination. It's like if 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 you could have it fall a little bit like that before. Yeah, really and truly, you're only a game out of fifth. And even even if you do end up seventh or eighth, at least you moved up at least one spot Correct. before the break. Correct. And you're on a little bit of a win streak because it's like if you went if you go three and one here. You win five out of your last six. You're feeling good, and then you get Zion coming back, whether it's the next game or the next couple of games. Yep. No, absolutely. It, it feels a little bit better as a Pels fan. So before we ended hour number one, I, I alluded to the Aaron Rodgers news. I've, I've, I've discovered some more information about this plan of his. This man loves Aaron Rodgers. I just think that this is wild. So he said today on the Pat McAfee show. Oh, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. That he will embark on a four-day, four-night darkness retreat shortly after the Super Bowl. He said, I've got a pretty cool opportunity to do a little self-reflection and isolation. And then after that, I feel like I'll be a lot closer to a final, final decision. And then he was asked if... If he hasn't decided if he will play in 23 or the trade rumors or anything like that, he said it's definitely a real thing. That's why it's going to be important to get through this week and to take my isolation retreat and just be able to contemplate all things about my future and then be able to make a decision that I think is best for me moving forward. James, do you think Aaron Rodgers plays in 2023 or do you think he too is going to call it quits? No, I, I I think he gets back out there. One one thing that is interesting though, and I, I know we were we were throwing it out the window, but man, the longer that it takes and the fact that he's going on this four day, four night trip to self reflect, the fact that he hasn't come to a decision to me almost indicates that you got to go into your ver- proverbial trash can and take the Green Bay Packers out and put them back as a team that he would be playing for in 2023. So I was right about Tom Brady. I called his retirement on this show. 
Mm-hmm. Not bragging, just stating the fact. Felt like a little humble bragging, but okay. Humble bragging, though. There's the keyword. Aaron Rodgers is retiring as well. Okay. Which is fair. I I just I I don't think that there's going to be an opportunity out there that blows him away. Because even, even though he didn't have a spectacular season this year, there were quite a few factors that kind of went into it. But I, I still feel like he, he can. Good. I still feel like he can ball. He can. Now, could he very easily next year kind of have a drop off? And then it just kind of feels like it's a Tom Brady type of thing where it's like, okay, I mean, if if I'm gonna just start hitting like a hard slope going down, might as well just get out of there now. Yep. And and avoid some hits and kind of save myself for later in life. Then I, I could definitely see it coming. But to me overall, I, I still I would still keep at this point Aaron Rodgers, whether he goes play for an AFC team or comes back to play for the Packers as yep. well as retirement. I think these are all real options and until he gets done with his little trip doing whatever he's going to do. A darkness you, retreat. What do you do? Just sit there in a dark room? I feel like, like he what is, I feel like he kind of goes into a dark room, kind of lights a candle, have his little hawaska tea, and just has a good time. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get at the this whole, point. I don't know what to do. With I Aaron get the Rogers. whole unplugging from like social media yeah. and like that, but like, like you log dark, out of your phone, like you like log just, out of your social media. I just don't understand the idea of a darkness. Like, do you just sit in a dark room for twenty four hours a day? Like, I just don't understand. Only Aaron Rodgers. I don't get do this. it. Only Aaron Rodgers. He would order some hotel food, and you can't even leave see it at what the door. Eating. Well, you you just you make the order. You know what you're going to eat. You're not going to know exactly where it is, but I mean, you're going to have your cat. little you're going to have your little tray. Mm, what am and I then you grab here? it. It's like, oh, this is my burger. What am I? What am I tasting here? Oh my god. Anyways, one more story before we take a timeout. Kevin Durant is not too happy with the way the Nets organization is going. And the Nets have told teams that they will not trade Durant before the trade deadline, which I kind of get. You don't want to lose both of your stars before the deadline. However, James, this is the conversation that I would like to have. Does Durant get traded this summer when the season ends? Question is to who? Uh, and that's, that's a good one. It's a good question. Who is willing to pay for KD? Apparently the Nets, I mean not the Nets, the Phoenix Suns are still very interested in a deal. Wasn't there a deal before like they would throw out Aiton and Correct. a couple of other pieces? There was, there was a deal th- this this summer. But the Nets were told, I mean the Suns were told that the Nets weren't going to move them. But now that the Nets have a new owner, apparently their new owner, Matt Ishba, is aggressive in pursuing ways to make a major and immediate impact. And what's more major and immediate than getting Kevin Durant? One of your first moves as majority owner of the Phoenix Suns is you acquire what some people say is one of the greatest to ever do it? I mean, come on. (laughs) Then... A lot of people in the league and fans around that's, would that's respect the, the Gonads move going at it right away. That, that's the Drew Brees of basketball. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. He's not the greatest, but he's up there. Probably in some people's top ten. 
So it's it's an interesting concept. And, and again, I, I get the Nets not wanting to move him now, but I would not be surprised if this offseason, Josiah and the Nets are looking to move on from Kevin Durant. We'll take a timeout when we return. 13 years ago today, the New Orleans Saints lifted their one and only Lombardi Trophy. James and I will look back on that game and share our favorite stories from that night right here on Crunch Time here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you need help taking your lady out for Valentine's Day, the help you need can be found inside the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, $50 to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville, $40 to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or $25 to Mabel's Kitchen also at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. However, the only way you can win any of these prizes is by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 520, almost 521 here on your Tuesday edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Let's go to the game hotline now before we talk Super Bowl 44. Mr. Green, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, Mr. Miguez. How are you doing today? I am lovely on this Tuesday, sir. What you got? So, this is going to sound like I'm defending Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not because the dude is a bigger tool than Tom Brady. Ooh. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to retire either. But I actually had a fraternity brother who went on a dark retreat one break. And so if Aaron Rodgers' dark retreat is anything like my frat brother's was, it's not so much sitting in a dark room so much as you turn off all devices. So there's no TV, there's no phone, uh, there's no Internet, there's no nothing. And you kind of enjoy nature. His was in a, a state where certain things are legal that are not legal here. Um, but he enjoyed nature and, uh, you know, he communed with, you know, other retreat, uh, goers as well as, uh, everything else. And it kind of just, it was, it was like a social media cleanse slash technology cleanse for him. And he came back refreshed and weird as hell. Interesting. I mean, I could I could see why that would work. Obviously, you know the whole disconnect thing, and, and just be kind of with your thoughts, if you will. Um, but you know, you you just read the words "darkness retreat" and you go, "The guy's just going to sit in the dark all day." Like, what what's what's yeah. he doing? No, that was my reaction too. And and he he explained it like this. He says, "You know, they say you go dark when you turn off. You know, all your." devices so nobody can detect you in the military right well that's kind of what this is you turn off all your devices so nobody can detect you and you can get away from it all interesting so i just wanted to share that with you guys and and say that he's not going to retire because this is going to be the first time in his career that he's the only prima donna in the nfl without tom brady around so where does he play next year he'll be with the Packers. Really, you think he's gonna? <laughs> you think he's gonna go back to Green Bay? I think so. The Jets 
the Jets aren't really a viable option. And if he tries to go to Oakland, it's going to blow up in everybody's face. So I really see him back with Green Bay. Um, and then if I had to take a second guess, I'd say Oakland at a very diff- distant second place. Interesting. Jamie, appreciate you as always, man. <laughs> appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great day. So and one more thing. This is Super Bowl related before we get go back in time to Super Bowl 44. So Super Bowl 57, one of the big headlines here is Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey playing against each other, right? Oh, you're only like the millionth person to mention that. Well, of course. But so today was the first day of Super Bowl player interviews. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, Jason's over here doing his interviews for the Eagles. Travis is over here doing his interviews for the Chiefs. Well, at some point during the day, Mama Donna comes into the room with a plate of cookies for both of her boys. How awesome is that? (laughs) You got Mama's homemade cookies while you were at Super Bowl Media Day. Good good for you. Good for Mama. Mom and Dad end up winning no matter what. Absolutely. and and, And here's the thing with it is... This is this is pretty much the only chance that these two are going to play each other in the Super Bowl. Of course. So whoever's team wins will have the ultimate for the rest of their lives. Just they will have that hanging over the other's head for the rest of life. For the rest of their lives, because they're both on the verge of retirement. They're both in their mid thirties. So Great. like, you, you're running out of opportunities here. But and then I, they interviewed their mom on their podcast, New Heights. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, it's fantastic. And they asked her, apparently Travis made her her jersey where it's Travis's jersey in the front and Jason's jersey in the back. And she was like, are you going to wear it? For the, he, he asked her if he, she was going to wear it for the Super Bowl. She said, yeah, of course I am. And he goes, Travis goes, just remember, I gave it to her. Not you. I did. It was me. Like he had to one-up it that it was him that had the idea and not Jason. And I, that's just funny. Absolutely incredible. But anyways, going back to Super Bowl 44, 13 years ago today, the New Orleans Saints winning their first ever Super Bowl, taking down the Indianapolis Colts 31-17. to You know, looking back at how this game went down, you were, you were down 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Garrett Hartley made two field goals in the second quarter to make it 10-6 to at the break. And then probably the gutsiest play call in the history of the NFL to start the third quarter, uh, a play that has been dubbed by the New Orleans Saints organization as ambush, because that's literally what they they ambushed the Indianapolis Colts with an onside kick to start the third quarter, recovered by the Saints, turned into a touchdown. They took a a 13-10 lead. However, the Indianapolis Colts came roaring back with a touchdown of their own, made it 17-13. Another field goal to end the third quarter, 17-16. And then the fourth quarter was just a whole lot of fun. Jeremy Shockey got a touchdown catch from Drew Brees. And then you saw the crazy Lance Moore two-point conversion play to take the 24-17 lead. Peyton Manning starts roaring back down the field. They get to about the 40-yard line. And then a 74-yard pick six by Tracy Porter. Sealed the deal for the New Orleans Saints, 31-17, to delivering their first Super Bowl in franchise history. And when you look at the passing line for Drew Brees, it's nuts. 
He went 32 of 39 for 288 yards and two touchdowns. No interceptions. Yeah, Peyton Manning threw for 33 yards, but he threw it six more times than Drew did and had a pick. So, I mean, I'll take 288 and two tutties all day long. If you only throw seven incompletions, all day long. Let's go to the hotline. Ralph, what's up? Hey, man, I uh, just want to share a little story about that, um, which I thought was uh, still to this day one of my coolest uh, encounters with a pro athlete. Um, so after the Super Bowl, I guess two or three years later, um, there was a book that came out, and, of course, I purchased it. And, and um, uh, so my uh, my wife and, and my aunt were both uh, cancer survivors, and every year the Miles Perret Cancer Center would uh, have a – just kind of a, a get together um, at the old Hilton on on um, Finhook, um, and they'd have a guest speaker every year. And, and this one year, and, and again, I think it probably was 2012, 2011, 2012. It was uh, Thomas Morstead, and turns out his uh, his mom was also a cancer survivor. And after the um, you know after he did his speech and all that, every table and uh, family got to do a um, a photo op with him and. I had that book with me, and so I asked him, I, I said, uh, Mr. Morstead, could you please uh, sign this for me? And so he, uh, he, he got to the page uh, about the onside kick, and he just kind of looked at it for a second and paused, and then he wrote um, above it, Ambush. And I, at that time, I didn't even know that was the, the name of the play, you know, and and, um, and signed his name, and, and I, to this day you know i still have that and it just meant so much to me and i just thought it was such a, a cool story and that, that is you know one of my favorite saints players of all time it's a great dude you know just want to share that man no absolutely that's a fantastic story i've always loved thomas morstead always thought he was a good guy and uh no that's an incredible story ralph thanks for sharing man all right bud. thanks yeah i mean incredible the the Super Bowl has just kind of changed every Saints fan for for the better when you think about it because now that is a, a memory that a lot of us will cherish for the rest of our lives because right now it doesn't feel like the Saints are getting another one anytime soon so you know there there's there's that but we'll take a timeout we'll continue on the Super Bowl train we'll do our Super Bowl spotlight with Cajuns legend and Carolina Panthers quarterback Jake Delhomme next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Football fans, FanDuel has the perfect way for everyone to get in on Super Bowl 57 action with a no-sweat same-game parlay. That means everyone gets bonus bets back if your Super Bowl same-game parlay doesn't hit. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Same Game Parlays lets you combine all of your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payday. So start building your own or just bet a popular Same Game Parlay already made for you in FanDuel's number one sportsbook. I'm going to take Pat Mahomes to throw for at least 225 yards, AJ Brown to have an anytime touchdown, and then Jalen Hurts to rush for at least 25 yards. If you're new to FanDuel, just sign up with promo code KLWB when you download the app. Either way, you'll get bonus bets back if your no-sweat Same Game Parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. 
Max bonus $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Very few players ever make it to the National Football League. With the first pick. Even fewer make it to the league's grandest stage. The Cincinnati Bengals. They are going to the Super Bowl. This next guest is someone who accomplished both. Time for Super Bowl Spotlight here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. My guest is a Ragin' Cajuns football legend. He played a better part of 12 seasons in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers, Cleveland Browns, rounding out his career with the Houston Texans, and most notably participated in Super Bowl 38 as the Carolina Panthers fell just short to the New England Patriots. My guest is Jake DeLome. Jake, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon, man. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's... uh... It's always great when it's Super Bowl week. It's kind of great and bad at the same time because it's great because it's the end of a great season. And it's terrible for me because there's not much else I'll watch on TV once it's over. So I go in a little depression mode, man. Let's look at this year's matchup, Jake. It's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, a battle of two top quarterbacks in this league. Give me your thoughts on from, from your perspective as a former NFL quarterback. Give me your thoughts on their seasons this year and how they match up in this Super Bowl. Well, I love the matchup because I think it's two of the better teams all season long. And I, I just think the Final Four were the, the better football teams. Uh Besides Buffalo, who I just think kind of tailed off at the end, those teams were the, the top teams in my mind all season long. It's unfortunate uh, what happened with San Francisco and the quarterback situation uh, because those were two bullies that I was loving, to, uh, couldn't wait to watch play. I think those were two teams that were just going to stand up and punch you in the mouth, and I was anxious to see how it would, it would play out. But unfortunately for San Fran, hey, listen, this um, – this game comes down, in my opinion, I think Philly has the better overall roster, uh, and I think a lot of it is due to love that cornerbacks and things of that nature. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, has done great this year, receiving core, but the defensive line, they're so deep on the defensive line. Um, but then again, you're playing the best player in, that, in the National Football League, Patrick Mahomes. It's very similar in my mind to a few years back when San Francisco played Kansas City. I thought San Fran was the better football team overall, but Mahomes was the better player. And sure enough, that's what it came down to. He made a couple of plays in the fourth, and the 49ers did not. So I think it comes down to the similar type situation in this game. And listen, if I'm going to go with somebody, I'm going to go with Mahomes. Um, kind of worried about Jalen Hurts, uh, the shoulder injury. have no idea what it is, but we know it's something. And they haven't looked as, as sharp since he had that, that injury in the pass game-wise. Um, certainly he can still run it, and he's had a great season. But, um, you know, it, it's the Super Bowl. You have to be on for that last game. Jake, let's take a look back at your NFL career now, 12 seasons in the NFL. You started with the New Orleans Saints, spent some time with NFL Europe, came back to the Saints then you moved on to Carolina, spent most of your career with the Panthers seven seasons, brought them to the Super Bowl in 2003, went to Cleveland after your time in Carolina, ended spent a year there before rounding out your career 
in Houston with the Texans. Just kind of look back on your career, you know, what stands out to you, good memories, things like that, and what lessons did you learn while you were in the NFL that you can still use today in daily life? Man, I uh, I loved every minute of it. I think early on, um, being in New Orleans, my first six years, uh, three years with the Mike Ditko regime, uh, and I would get sent to NFL Europe uh, twice in that time span in the spring to go play, and then Jim Hazlitt comes in, and I was very fortunate there because he hired Mike McCarthy as the offensive coordinator. So I had three years with Mike McCarthy, and that was fabulous for me to have my development as a quarterback. Uh, mostly in the classroom. That was the biggest thing. Mike, we ran a fabulous uh, off-season program. It was quarterback school, and unfortunately you can't do that anymore due to the uh, time constraints the NFLPA has put on these players. And really and truly it's a detriment to these young players. But that was uh, very fortunate for me to do that and then had an opportunity to go to Carolina uh, to compete for a job and spent seven great years there. I would like to say six. My last year wasn't the funnest. I uh, I wasn't that good of a player at that point. I kind of lost my quarterback coach, and things just kind of wasn't wasn't great the last year. And a lot of it was due to my play. And I headed to Cleveland and uh, got hurt, unfortunately, the second quarter of the first game. And so spent pretty much the whole season in a walking boot. And love the people of Cleveland. Kind of appreciated that city and the love of football. It's very similar to New Orleans. How much they love the Saints. Uh, that's the same way that people in Cleveland love the Browns, passionate, uh, educated football ma- uh, fans in that um, in that state. And then uh, thought I was done, to be quite honest. Came home and thought I was done. I was 37 years old at the time and very happy and satisfied. And Houston had a couple of injuries late in the season. I get a phone call. I knew no one uh, in Houston, had no connection with anyone there. And I finished the last five weeks of the season and two weeks of the playoffs with them. And, uh, probably one of the most uh, enjoyable times going to Houston, having to just dive in and try to learn the Gary Kubiak system, which in essence is the Kyle Shanahan system. That's what Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak created and learning that system and being around a lot of great football players. J.J. Watt was a rookie at that time from the Brian Cushing to the Andre Johnson. It was, it was awesome just to be there and make that run and, Truly, that was a Super Bowl roster, to, to be quite honest. And unfortunately, Matt Schaub had got hurt late in November, and, and he was the guy that pulled the trigger on that football team. And um, they just couldn't make a run in the playoffs. But I had a great run, man. The NFL was great to me. I love it. Um, was removed for a few years after that, uh, just being a, a regular dad, I guess you could say. And then uh, fortunate enough to start back up being the uh, radio, radio an- analyst for the Carolina Panthers starting in 2019. And I absolutely love that and keep my connection with the NFL. Jake, one thing that stood out to me about what you just said was you talked about your time in Houston and how you had to learn a playbook on the fly for the final five games of the year because you thought that you had you were done, that you had retired. Talk about you know that experience and how difficult that was to put together an offensive system in just five weeks to try and give the Texans an opportunity to make a run and continue the season that they were having. That was very difficult, and I had never done that before in my in my career. But usually, when when guys sign teams and especially quarterbacks late in the season like that, they're going to go with someone who there's some familiarity in that offense, someone who. 
um, a, a coach had at some point because you want to be able to uh, someone that knows your system. Well, it was Slim Pinkins at that point, to be quite honest, and they signed myself and Jeff Garcia. And at the time, I was turning, I think, 38, and Jeff was 41. So we were the oldest quarterback room uh, backups uh, they had in the NFL. But they needed some veteran guys in case they were going to have to play, had some playoff experience. So that was hard just due to the fact of, one, not knowing the players, uh, but learning the offense and getting the verbiage down and things of that nature because we were one play away from playing. Uh, I mean, if, if – T.J. Yates got hurt. We had to go in and play. So that was the biggest part, just to make sure that you can run an offense uh, functionally. Um, and you saw what happened with Josh Johnson when he went in the other day for San Fran. There was just no shot in the world that San Fran had. So it is a grind. Um, you're there 5.30 in the morning to about 10.30, 11 at night, just trying to learn uh, the, the playbook so you can, can run it. And needless to say, I don't know the players. I don't know the, the, the route that my receiver runs or the, my tight end or my back out the backfield. What do they like to do, their body language and things like that. Chatting with Jake DeLome here on Crunch Time with the Super Bowl Spotlight. Jake, let's look at 2003 now with Carolina. You went 11-5 and with the Panthers, won the NFC South, beat three teams in the playoffs, including the Rams, Cowboys, and Eagles, to get to the Super Bowl to face off against Tom Brady, who now we look back as the greatest to ever do it, but at the time was still fairly new to the league. It was a back-and-forth game. Your offense really exploded in the fourth quarter. You still hold the record for the longest touchdown pass in a Super Bowl. But it came down to an Adam Vinatieri walk-off field goal. Just kind of talk about that game and what you remember most about it. Well, I remember the first and the third quarter was like uh, trying to play offense against a brick wall. Um, Couldn't get anything done in the first quarter and the majority of the second quarter because New England, at that point, they were known for their defense. It wasn't really and truly their offense yet. Um, And they were the number one defense in the league going into that game, and they they were loaded. And um, then we're able to kind of of crack them a little bit in the the second – late in the second quarter and the same thing in the third quarter – it was, it was just it was tough sledding. And then the fourth quarter, the gates opened up, and we went no huddle, two minutes, and we got them tired, and we were able to kind of spread the ball around a good bit in that fourth quarter, and they were able to do the same thing. And I guess the biggest problem in the, uh, in the world is giving Tom Brady the football with a minute left um, and him to go down to the field. And he was able to get in field goal range, and Benatieri has proven uh, time and time again was able to come through with a clutch kick. And Next thing you know, you're roped off the field as the uh, Super Bowl runner-ups. And uh, it was a, listen, great season. We had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of great football, a lot of great wins. Uh, but it comes all down to the crashing end. And uh, you always think maybe you could get back there. Um, we came close a couple of years later losing in the championship game, but it's so difficult. So really and truly, you've got to take advantage while you can. And uh, we had a good run. It's just unfortunate we uh, we came up a little bit short. Jake, it's no secret that you know, every player's dream when you get to the NFL is to win the Super Bowl and reach that mountaintop. But from your experience, having made a Super Bowl, which is even incredibly hard to do in its own right, talk about that experience of saying, hey, you know, I got to play in a Super Bowl. I got to experience something that not every guy that makes it to the NFL gets to experience. Talk about that and what that means to you 
and and really just the experience outside of the game in terms of media or, or doing things with fans or, or, or things like that? I remember everything leading up to it, to be quite honest. Uh, we beat Philadelphia in Philly on the Sunday night, the NFC Championship game, and to get back to Charlotte that evening and just to see the streets lined with the cars and pulling back into the facility. Um, because the, the Panthers are relatively new I mean, relatively new franchise. I mean, they're just in there like, you know, 20-something years. It's not like they've been been around forever. And um, so that was awesome. And the send-off when we left and heading down to Houston for the Super Bowl, kind of remember everything about that, the week leading up to it and all the uh, fanfare that goes along with it. And it's even more so now. Um, but then it's still a game. And you warm up before the game and, the, the nerves that you have, the feeling that you have when you come out the tunnel, uh, that you've made it. You're at the pinnacle of your career. This is the ultimate game that you strive for. Each and every team strives for every year. The most watched sporting event in the history of the world. And But then it kicks off, and it's just a game. And the next thing you know, the game's over. It's uh, You just play it. And uh, your, both teams are playing really good football, obviously, because they're in the Super Bowl. So it's just one of those. You just... You play the game. It's, uh, it's the same field, same size. The ball's the same size, and uh, it's still 10 yards to get a first down. Uh, but everything leading up to it is so much, and, and certainly after with all the interviews and things like that. But it was a um, great experience. Just kind of wish we could have been on the other side or maybe had the football last in that game. Uh, but it's something, it's a memory that I'll cherish uh, for the rest of my life, being a part of that season and, and that run that we had. He is a Cajuns legend and Super Bowl 38 quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Jake DeLome joining us here on the game hotline for today's Super Bowl spotlight. Jake, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game this weekend, and uh, hopefully sometime soon down the line we can have you on the show again. That sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. And there he goes, Jake DeLome, Super Bowl 38 quarterback with the Carolina Panthers against the New England Patriots, as well as a Louisiana Raging Cajuns legend. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media Corp. is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join their team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. In addition, we are looking to add an account executive. Training is available, and if you are interested, send your resume to Cochran at deltamediacorp.com. And as always, Delta Media Corporation is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to Crunch Time 554 here on your Thursday, on your Tuesday, excuse me, as we start to wrap up today's show. Once again, taking a look at your top stories of the day. Kevin Durant and the Nets talking what the direction of the franchise is. Aaron Rodgers looking out to what his future is going to be. Lance Guidry already leaving Tulane to become the Miami defensive coordinator. We previewed Hawks and Pelicans. We talked Cajun softball, Cajun basketball, LSU basketball. Again, Kim Mulkey, 23-0. and They're setting, setting up for this massive showdown with South Carolina this weekend up in Columbia. Matt McMahon's group playing Mississippi State tomorrow night in Starkville, 8 o'clock. Pre-game at 7.30. You can catch it right here on the game. Also, McNeese playing Southeastern on Thursday night. 
and a stacked weekend for Louisiana Raging Cajuns basketball. James, quickly, what are you looking out for in the Pels game tonight, and who wins? Well, you're not going to have Zion, of course, and you're not going to have Dyson Daniels either. I'm, I think I'm, it's going to be more of a game time decision with Bi and Jonas. So if both of them are going to be able be available tonight, I feel like it's a good chance that they win. I know Trey's a big part of their team, and they still got Clint Capella and Dejounte Murray, so they got some solid pieces and John Collins. But overall, they're they're a 500 team as well, and they're in a not as competitive Eastern Conference than it is with the West. So I, I kind of look at the Pels. They've already won two in a row against the Lakers and against the Kings. I feel like they got a little bit more confidence. I, I like them tonight. If, if, if B.I. and Jonas are there. Yeah. I, if they're I like not the, there, if they're not there, I don't feel good about it. I like the Pelicans tonight as well. Um, C.J. McCollum's had a nice couple of games. I think that continues. Trey Murphy as well could have a big night for the Pels. And the big thing for me is that they're playing at home. They've played pretty well at home this year. They're nineteen and nine inside the Smoothie King Center, so I, I like I like the Pelicans' odds tonight. So six thirty matchup tonight. Pelicans currently a one point favorite. And if you're close to the New Orleans area, I know tip offs in half an hour, but you can get into the Smoothie King Center for as low as two dollars tonight. So what a what a deal. Hot diggity! If it wasn't a, two and a half hours away, I'd go. Hey, you can make the fourth quarter two dollars. That'd be worth it. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Jay Walker, doing Cajuns Corner, and of course, legends, legendary Cajun quarterback and Super Bowl 38 player Jake DeLome for joining us. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. A Super Bowl hump day tomorrow. Great lineup tomorrow as well. Come on back 4-6 to six, right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, Tiger Rag Radio is coming up next right here on The Game.